The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. There's two bucks, there's another 50 cents, there's 20 cents there. That's there's, two cents. Yeah, that's two cents, that'll do. Is that enough for you, Alan? For what? It's just to pay you for our time in the studio. 20, 20 episodes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, well, he's happy with that. Ungrateful bastard. Oh, he's just throwing it all on the floor, the little <laughs> shit. <laughs> Ungrateful. He's naughty, isn't he, that little troll oh, booth? No. Oh, look at him picking up on the on his hands and knees, picking up the coins. <laughs> we can see Alan out of the booth and he's on his hands and knees picking up the coins that he's just thrown all over the floor. It, it, looked, it looked cool when he threw it, but now... <laughs> No, he doesn't look like He's got carpet so burns good. on yeah. his knees. <laughs> He's got red knees now. How yeah, are you, Hamish? I'm well, thanks. How's your week been? Yeah, not bad, actually. I went away for a, my anniversary with my husband and we went to an Airbnb where we got totally ripped off. Oh, go on, what happened? Well, we got there. There's a bloody, um, what's it called? One of those, a sauna. Mm -hmm. And a woman kept going, oh, let's go in the sauna, go in the sauna. So we were like, oh, don't even bloody like saunas. <laughs> so we went in there and sweated our tits off for five minutes, then came out and she knocked on the door and was like, that's 30 bucks then. What? <laughs> yeah. Smart from her. I know. She's charging extra. I was like, God, I better not use any towels or the soaps. So I was like, sort of treading on eggshells over there. Don't then. touch anything. Don't touch anything. And then I had paid $74 for a bit of fish at the restaurant. I actually came away from my only date night from my husband feeling extremely ripped off. Oh, it's a rubbish anniversary. I know, it was shit. How's your week been, Hamish? Yeah, it's been good. This has been my week of no longer drinking. Yeah. So I had my last drink yeah. last night. I was at a sort of party. We've been saving. We got given a bottle of Bollinger, right? This right. fancy champagne. Ooh, posh. Really posh. We got given it as a gift for when we got engaged or when we got married, but Liz was pregnant. So we've been saving it. We're like, we'll have it on a special occasion. Now, us falling pregnant, not a special occasion. Us getting married, not a special occasion. My brother getting married, not a special occasion. My 30th birthday didn't count. Christmas didn't count. Last night, so we've got to drink it. I can't, it yeah. can't be in the house any longer. Yeah. So last night, Liz has got all her friends up here from Sydney and Perth. So we opened a bottle of a bottle of Bollinger and that was my last drink. Okay, that right. So you're on the journey now. I'm on the journey. That is so exciting. One I can't day believe sober. it. One day sober. <laughs> so last week, Hamish, on the podcast, I 
gave you a challenge, which was to go and delve a little bit deeper into your drinking at a therapy session. How did it go? It was great. You know, I really enjoyed it. I had an idea of what it would be like in my head. Yep. I thought long lounge. I would be lying on it. My eyes would be closed. I'd cry about my parents at some point. Yeah. (laughs) But it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. So yeah, the, the lady you sent me to. I think it was different doing it with me in comparison to doing it with someone who is an addict to whatever that might be, booze or alcohol or drugs, you know, whatever it is. So she sort of walked me through how she would normally approach it. She said, we all wear masks and we all put up walls, you know, barriers. Almost everyone has done that for most of our lives as far as we can remember. And she said the core of that really comes down to you not feeling like you are enough. And the idea of having that feeling, I'm not enough. That might be something ingrained from childhood. It might come through a bad breakup in your teens, whatever it is. Any sort of trauma, yeah. That is it. And giving up booze, I suppose, is what I got from it, is that it's a way of taking those marks off, dropping those barriers, yeah. meeting yourself in a way. That's, that doesn't sound too woo-woo, you know, meeting yourself and trying to accept that you are enough. You know, you are yeah. sober, you are still a fun you. I think there's, there's a dangerous saying that we all have, which is like, they're the best version of themselves after a drink. Oh, oh you know, God, they're yeah, funnier, they're yeah. a bit looser. You know, we all say that. I've said that for yep. sure. That is such a dangerous thing to say because what you are inadvertently saying when you're saying that is that you are not the best version of yourself sober. You are not great sober. And you are not good enough, of course. It's a funny one because I know some people who who truly believe that they are more interesting and more fun and more everything when they're drunk. But actually, I don't think I've ever met a person who is better drunk. No. Really, when I think about it. Mm -hmm. And also, it's saying to them when you, you know, say that line to people, it's like saying your authentic self, your real self without alcohol in you is not interesting Mm. and is not the person that I want to be around. And it's just really negative and really kind of hurtful to who you are as a person. Yeah. But yeah, I was really grateful to be sent to to that therapy session because I think one of the things I really got out of it is, you you know, it's a lot of looking at yourself and looking at your childhood. And and I kind of thought, God, am I a narcissist? Because I'm looking for Mm. scars and I'm not finding any. And does that mean I'm blind to the scars that I've had? I'm a narcissist. I'm just this lunatic that thinks everything went well and actually the more I thought about it I thought actually no I'm really grateful the way that I was brought up yeah I think my parents did a great job and I want to I want my kids to think of me the way that I think of my parents yeah that's what I got out of it well that's amazing and just and just being grateful about things that you have in your life is a lovely way to live so if that's if you got stuff out of it did you talk about your very normal drinking habit with her yeah but not great depth you know because I think it's difficult to talk about anything normal in great depth with a therapist you know yeah, they're, yeah. they're looking yeah. for the abnormal they're I suppose. looking for the abnormal yeah they're yeah. looking for the extreme so, so yeah we might really... be worth you going again at some stage and really delving into into some more deeper stuff yes. but because we're talking a lot on this podcast about Hamish being a, a bit of an extrovert and very confident like whether he actually has ever even needed alcohol could he have just been that anyway mm. and to look at the reasons why you feel the need to be extrovert it's just those people pleaser sort of words come into play and I know that's what it was for me. And for me it was also about anxiety. Drinking, most people I think drink because of those reasons of not thinking they're good enough so therefore they have social anxiety when they're out in the public because 
they think people don't think they're funny enough or can't dance as well or their punchlines aren't as good as each other. Mm. So they drink to kind of cover that up. And it's really, really toxic, actually. So a lot of what we're going to talk about generally on this podcast is is finding out if you can be that authentic person without a, a drop of ethanol in your bloodstream. That's exactly the challenge. So what are we talking about today, though? So today's episode is all about money. So for one episode only, we're going to turn into an economics podcast. We're going to explain to you how you can make loads of cash. Excellent. Do I have to sell my house or buy crypto? I don't mind selling a few organs to a stranger under a bridge. I've done that a few times. Please don't take any of our monetary advice. It is all obviously terrible. Yeah, I think Lucy and I had a bit of a habit of pulling a lot of stats out of our bottoms. So generally, I think Hamish and I will be grabbing at a few straws here. But yeah, don't take any advice because we are by no way millionaires. No, what we're trying to do in this episode is explain some of the hidden savings you can make when giving up alcohol. So I think there are loads of reasons why you might want to give up alcohol, from improving your health, focusing on your career. But yeah, for me, one of the reasons that played an integral role was money, particularly given the fact that I'm a new dad, our household incomes dropped significantly. You know, that's money sort of came up lots in my decision making around this one. Yeah, those fucking little grabbing babies making you work harder. That's generally what it is, Hamish, isn't it? They come along and ruin all our They're fun. scrounges. I was going to tell you, actually, I had a bit of an epiphany with my daughter this week. She's only six and she said fucking for the first time, <gasps> which was a, an absolute shock. We've been listening to bloody Justin Bieber. What was the context? What was the sentence that she well, said? No, she just came up to me and said, Mummy, I've learned a new word. And I was like, what is it? Hoping it would be like, I don't know. Um, Onomatopoeia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the longest word in a dictionary? Is uh, it not the, the, the expialidocious? No. <laughs> no, it's not that, is that very popular. I think it's uh, it's anti disestablishmentarianism, oh, yeah, I think is it. it is. I was thinking of that Welsh village as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. When those kids come along and ruin everything and swear at you <laughs> because of Justin Bieber songs, then we're all in trouble and we actually have less money in our pockets. So whether you're buying nappies, rounds for backpackers that you've just met at a hostel or losing out on a round of drinks to your stingiest mates, there are lots of ways that drinking can hurt your pocket. We want to explore not only the ways that you can save a fortune, but we also want to show you how you can spend it on something more worthwhile than a hangover and a cream for treating crabs. Oh, how did you know about that, Hamish? Poking out of your pocket now. (laughs) My crab, yeah. No, that's the the other cream. That's my other ointment. (laughs) Why did you bring it to the podcast? Uh, no comments. <laughs> Today we're going to look at the cost of alcohol on your lives. We don't just mean how much money you may be spending on alcohol a year, but the hidden costs that you incur when drinking plays a part in your decision making. We hope that by considering these costs, you might significantly improve your quality of life. Cutting the booze costs could mean that you finally can afford that expensive dress, the fancy restaurant, or even that dream holiday to Bogner. Poor Bogner. It does get bad rap, doesn't it? Yeah, it's probably quite nice, Bogner, on a nice day. No, I've never been. I thought people that live in Bogner and people that live in Timbuktu. I was like, just leave it out, guys. (laughs) Leave me alone, for fuck's sake. Exactly. Yeah. So let's walk you through an average night out in which booze would be involved. You've organised a dinner during which you want to have a drink. Not get drunk, but certainly drink too much to be able to drive. Okay, so you book an Uber. Costs $20 each way. On getting to the restaurant, you might have a couple of pints of beer, maybe half a bottle of wine, at a cost of around another $25. At the end of the meal, you probably get a bit carried away, as you do. You go to the cocktail bar next door, and then you order another round of drinks. A few hours later, you find yourself at your local kebab shop. 
the owner knows you by name, that's not a good sign. Elephant leg, I call kebab shops. <laughs> elephant leg shops. It looks like a horrible sort of like rotting elephant leg, doesn't it? It's revolting. After, don't put me off kebabs. E.T. skin. <laughs> E.T. Oh, and the God. extraterrestrial. <laughs> You're ruining that for me. I only ever saw them when they were regurgitated the next morning, so it looked a bit yeah, different yeah, then. Or you use it as a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> On arrival home, you raid the fridge for snacks and any other alcoholic beverages you can sniff out. You wake up the next morning to a stinking hangover, which you've convinced yourself can only be cured with three Coca-Colas and a Big Mac. Sounds familiar, right? And you know that is based on a fairly tame night out on the tiles. Yeah, we did pull it back a bit there, didn't we? Yeah. Now, although you might not spend too much money on alcohol on a night like this, once you factor in the taxis, the binge eating, the hangover, you might have doubled or even trebled your costs. And that's before we even touch on the cost to our economy, which comes to over £60 billion a year. These costs include health services, alcohol cause crime and sick days. So from our calculations, after a booze binge and a trip to Mackey D's, we reckon the average person spends about $185 on a night out, which is going to have huge impact on your financial situation when spread over a whole year, Hamish. You've actually got an app, Vic, that tells you how much you've saved, haven't you? Yeah, it's called Done Drinking. I have it in my on my phone. And it says now that my I'm 100, uh, 1,578 days without an alcoholic beverage, which is a fucking miracle, quite honestly, <laughs> with a lot of therapy, Hamish. <laughs> and that's $15,000 I've saved. Oh, but I have no idea where that money's gone because it's certainly not sitting in my bank. Chocolate and hardcore porn subscriptions, I reckon. Yeah, probably. It's just chocolate. No, <laughs> none, of, none of that. I don't have time for hardcore porn, unfortunately. <laughs> So what is the true cost of booze, Hamish? Okay, so we can all think of times when we've wasted our money on booze-clouded decisions, but let's look at the actual stats. Oh, I love a good stat. I know. I've researched these, so I think they're accurate. They might be complete rubbish. That's the thing with stats. Exactly. Yeah. So we're recording this podcast from Australia. So allow us to start by looking at some of the numbers coming out of here. A global drug survey in 2020 found that Australia is the drunkest country in the world, with Aussies drinking to the point of drunkenness an average of 27 times per year, almost double the global average of 15. You know, when you say that, I just think, oh, what a bunch of losers. Yeah, I know. It does feel like a low number, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. Back at my my drinking brain is is judging. Uh, my 25 years of drinking still, still makes my brain judge people who haven't got drunk at least 300 times in a year. Exactly. I'm surprised by that stat. I really am. I reckon I got tiddly three times a week, which probably works out as about 156 times per year. And I was a pretty average drinker. So that's five times more than those official stats, mm. Hamish. And I know that you probably were half of that again. Yep. So maybe 76 times per year, three times what the government stated on that one. So in 2020, the Australian household spent about nearly two grand on household alcohol. That is $36 a week and doesn't even tell half a story, Hamish. Yeah, this is the average night out. I mean, how about some of the less average nights out, Vic? How did your boozy nights out affect your pocket? Well, it's funny when we started you know having a look into this topic I always thought that you know I probably spent an absolute fortune on booze and actually when I really thought about it I realized that I'm a little bit of a wheeler dealer I'm a bit of a dodgy geezer when it comes to booze and buying it I had ways of making sure that everybody else bought the rounds apart from me and I've realized that maybe I've got a reputation I might have to go back to my old Brighton mates and say look did I never buy the drinks because I never had any money but I always managed to be blackout wasted whenever I went out so what on earth was going on what's the secret 
Well, there was, I had tricks. I had tips and tricks, which I'm not expecting any people to use now because I'm hoping that all of you are sober now listening to this podcast. But looking back, they were quite clever. So when I used to go up to the bar and get a drink, I'd say, right, it's who's round is it? Give me the money. I was trying to do them a favour and say, I'll go and get the drinks. You give me the cash. You relax, mate. <laughs> you sit there, have a nice time, and I'll go and help you by getting the drinks in. So I used to gather the drinks from the barman and I would take massive swigs of them, especially if it was wine I would do a sip of each glass before taking them back and if my mates looked at them were like oh they're a bit empty I'll be oh sorry I stumbled over on the way back from the bar pretending that I'd actually spilt them so I'm thinking you couldn't have worn lipstick otherwise we've got lips on every single glass we've got questions (laughs) to ask it's like my tattoo that (laughs) I've left on my mark I've left on the planet for the last 25 years and often I stole pints like at the end of a night or even at the beginning of a night actually if I'm telling the honest truth if I saw somebody had left a pint sat on a speaker and they were dancing on the dance floor I would whack it down my throat as quickly as I could that was you that was me I lost a few of those pints yeah (laughs) I was a a booze nicker and I got obviously got men to buy me drinks that was one thing I could do very easily and I used to not pay for the for the paraphernalia of drinking I used to sort of blag my way into nightclubs Mm. you know snog the taxi driver on the way home for a free lift I had all sorts of ways of making sure that I didn't pay for the drinks because I didn't have any money I was a poor student I was working in a pub, so that was free booze to start Mm. with. And I just had to come up with new and inventive ways of surviving my party lifestyle. Do you ever sneak booze into the pubs and clubs? Always. So I had a bottle of Fanta or a drink bottle that I'd put, you know, some tequila in, like pure tequila and go neck it in the toilets. Me and my friends were called the Flies. Um, Our nickname was the Flies because we were like flies round shit if somebody else had cocaine. So if somebody was in the (laughs) toilet doing a line of coke and we knew about it, suddenly our heads would appear over the top of the, you know, the toilet cubicle and be like, right, who's in? Because we were party girls. That's all we wanted. We wanted to join in the pandemonium and be part of it. It was a brilliant time. But of course, you know, burning the candle at both ends, even if you are stealing the drinks, it does have an effect on your mental health and your pocket eventually. You know, I had to pay occasionally, of course. The fly sounds like the less cool girl band version of the Beatles. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what we were. We were always flapping our wings like when we met each other. It was very cute. We had this kind of little girl gang. And it was around the time of the Spice Girls. Yeah, but probably like a a lesser version of the Spice Girls. So, yeah, there was all ways that I had of saving money during that period. And when I did have money, of course, I spent it all in one night. So whenever I got my student loan or anything like that, it was like whack one big night out. I'm buying the drinks for once and I'm going to sort everybody out. I remember once on my birthday saying, right, the drinks are on me and not realising till the next day that I'd just met my mates, but the whole bar had put... (laughs) all their drinks on my tab and I had a bill of like $2,000. My husband remembers that very clearly. That was that was like since I've had children, that event. So oh, no. I get reminded of that quite a lot. But there was all sorts of times, you know, holidays in Crete where you got free shots. That was the sort of place I hung out. The women get the free shots, the men, and then you go and find a bloke who's going to buy you a shot for the rest of the night. Mm. So I had my ways, Hamish. Well, yeah, I guess for me it was slightly different. I was not very good at chatting up anyone to buy me drinks. So it doesn't really seems that the men are the ones that have to fork out, right? This is why I love this male perspective on this podcast now, because like I really want to know how it felt to always be the one buying people like grot bags here <laughs> well, a drink. From memory, I, I'd have to be quite drunk to buy a round of drinks. Okay. So the beginning of the night, good luck. I'm not. I'm not. 
buying you a drink. As the beer goggles got steamed yeah. up. Then it, yeah, then inevitably, you, you wouldn't get approached by one girl. You would get approached by two or three. Ooh, right? That's yeah. how it works. No, they're not trying to get hook up with me. All right. But they, they hunt in packs. <laughs> they hunt in flies. Yeah. And then it's like, right, I'll buy all of you guys a drink. And then it gets very expensive. But yeah, I guess I did, I did a few of the other classic ones of wasting money on a night out, falling asleep on the night bus, having to get a cab home. One night I swapped clothes with a guy because I thought it was quite funny. Yeah. And then in the morning I woke up and he was much bigger than me. So I didn't fit any of the clothes. I still have quite a lot of this guy's clothes. I was in America, so I was on holiday. That's so weird. Yeah, it was quite weird. But that is that that can happen. That's the sort of thing you go, oh, I'm out on a night. I've swapped clothes with someone. What am I going to I think I better just go home to bed. Like, yeah, what is going on? Exactly. I left a mate's camera equipment in a taxi in Rwanda. First night of a holiday, had some drinks. What the fuck were you doing in Rwanda? Well, I built built a charity in Rwanda, actually. I've spent quite a lot of time in Rwanda. What? Hamish, there's so much I don't know about you. Yeah, yeah. I helped build Rwanda's first ever cricket stadium. What? So, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Rwanda is insane. Okay, you're going to have to tell us that story another time. Yeah, that's another episode. But yeah, the first night there, I brought a mate's camera equipment because we were opening the stadium. And first night, had a drink, got in a cab, got to my house, no camera equipment. Oh, no. So I had to track down this taxi. So I had to call the hotel that I'd been at, ask them if they had CCTV, oh, the number no. plate. And anyway, I got him and he came and obviously he went, this is what you owe me. And what do you do? I had to just pay him however much he said. It was my first night, so he hadn't figured out the, yeah, exchange, the exchange rate. rate yeah. <laughs> just all, mate, whatever. There's something to be said for being in another country when these things happen, like when yeah. we're out and we're spending money or not spending money as I was. If you're in another country, you've just got to pay your way. You've just got to give the bloke some money and hope for the best, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. And then one story, which actually I guess turned out well, is, yeah, I met a girl within a week of landing in Australia, moving to this country. I met this girl and had drinks. And then we ended up booking flights to Japan. Yeah. Which is rash when while, drunk. While you were hammered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> um, which is rash. Yeah. Never get a credit or debit card out when you're drunk is a generally good advice, particularly bad on the internet. News, yeah, um, but news. I married her. I married that girl. Oh, well, yeah, so that, that, Liz. that one went well. Oh, that but went I well. I wouldn't recommend. So you were happy to spend that money because it meant you got a wife. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't propose then and there. No. But yeah, that one turned out all right. But yeah, as a rule, don't book flights with strangers when you're drunk. God, there's so many things that I've done when under the influence and spent money. Once somebody came around my house when I was drunk with a ticket for the Olympic Games. Mm. I, was, I was living in a sort of backpacker house and one of the backpackers that had left had, had bought a ticket and had gone back to England and forgotten about it. And instead of going out to the Olympic Games, which I should have done, I, somebody handed me a ticket and said, here you are, here is a free ticket to the Olympic Games. I sold it for booze. Yeah, so I missed bad. out on the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games in Australia because I wanted to buy booze. I sold it for like 600 quid. I was very happy about it. What? Yeah, me and all my flatmates went out and got hammered that night. Well, I was going to say, what was? <laughs> I want to say what was the night out like and was it better than the opening ceremony? I Olympic can't Games? remember. <sighs> I can't remember, Hamish. I, you were I would say that. have wonderful memories of that ceremony. But now, of course, I just have memories of my head being in the toilet and regurgitating my entire contents of my stomach into some dodgy pub toilet yeah it's gross when I look back and think of all the money I must have wasted I just think oh my god what was I doing imagine all the chocolate we could have eaten I know so what have you quit you know you quit four or five years ago what benefits have you had since then well I've kept jobs I guess which (laughs) I think is probably quite important 
And I earn money now, which I never really did before. I went from stealing money and borrowing money and owing people money, especially my poor parents. You know, I never had money because I had to pay fines and, (laughs) you know, all these other things that happened to me always cost me money. So now, since I've got married and I've got sober, I'm more of a normal citizen of this earth and I managed to actually save money occasionally and not spend it on frivolous bullshit things that I don't remember, like a blackout. Sure. So yeah, I treat myself now. I went to the shops today, I bought myself a new dress and I bought myself a new pair of earrings, whereas that money before would have gone on alcohol. And of course, being healthier means I don't have to go to the doctors as much and I don't have to pay bills as much for for health issues and and vitamins and all things like Mm. that because I generally feel much healthier. And also it feels good to not be spending money on drugs (laughs) drugs <laughs> if it, let's bring it down to the level that that's what I was doing for many many years whether it was recreational drugs or alcohol mm. I was spending money on things that would make me feel high and then make me feel very very low and on things that it has no meaning in the end I don't mm. get anything from being drunk all I get is a really stonking hangover and that's it I don't get these bonding moments like we talked about in the last episode. I don't get these fantastic occurrences when I'm drinking. I just get a fucking hangover. So now I save money, I'm more functional, and I'm much, much happier, which leads me into feeling much more mentally healthy. Mm -hmm. What about you? Have you got a piggy bank, Hamish? I do have a piggy bank, actually, although it's it's sort of a piggy bank for the kid. So, yeah, any coins you got left over at the end of the day go in this jar. Oh, great. You're already then, collecting. I mean, Hamish's baby is, what, two weeks, months old? Yeah. Weeks, yeah. So you've already got a little savings account. Yeah. Oh, that's so sweet, Hamish. So that's going all right. I'm sure I'll save lots of money this year. Like, There's a few things that I'm excited to spend it on. This is a good tip, actually, for any dads listening, yeah. particularly if you're a new dad. The best thing you can do with your money, this is what I discovered this week, is without telling your wife, right. get her a gift that she uses not with you and away from the baby. So I got two. I okay. got her a massage yep. and I got her an infrared sauna. Are I you, didn't tell her. Are you listening to this, John? <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, particularly after six weeks, particularly, actually not even particularly, but yeah, if they are breastfeeding and they feel you know, they're never separate from the child, mm. they're going to be tired, they're going to be overrun. That little gift, and you know, it's 30, 40, 50 bucks, it's a night out. Less than a night out. Less than a night out. Made such a big difference, you know. She cried. She cried with joy. Oh, bless For something that cost me $30 and meant that she could go do something for an hour. I mean, those little gestures mean so much when you've just had a baby or even when you're pregnant. Or actually for me, any time in my life, when someone thought about you without you asking them and and bought you something that you they think you will like mm. it means the world doesn't it it doesn't matter how expensive that gesture is yeah. it's just something little to make you feel good and to get a moment to yourself like motherhood and parenthood and work everything is so all encompassing nowadays like work never switches off because we've got on instagram or we're on facebook mm. or we're doing this nothing ever switches off and just to have a moment to yourself to regroup and like check in with yourself is so important and to do that you know you can do more of that if you give up drinking if you're not spending your money on frivolous shit yeah absolutely i think i'm looking forward to just not worrying about money i'm fed up of getting the day before the payday and be like oh it's it's tight it's tight and i'm sure you know and we're not talking about massive sums here we're talking about an extra hundred dollars a week that i might you know i'm not spending a hundred dollars a week on booze but just every little counts i don't want to be worried about it anymore 
It's like when you give up smoking, it's the same thing, isn't it? You start to have money in your pocket, even if it's just like loose change that you can spend on something else. And just look how more important these things are compared to a night out, Hamish, like making your wife cry, which I'm sure you've done in other ways before. (laughs) I mean, you're making memories rather than blacking out. And that's what life's about. It's about making memories with your family and not waking up with a stranger in your bed with genital warts. Yeah, exactly. The stranger and you with genital warts. (laughs) Here are some other ways you could spend your hard-earned cash. Yeah, so Hamish and I had to think about this. Like, we're saying these as advice to you because the first one is a gym membership. But of course, I haven't done that. Yeah, we (laughs) can't tell you how to spend your money. No, these are just some tips. Theoretical. Theoretical. Going out and going to the gym is going to be better than downing 15 shots of absinthe. That's our advice. That's true. But the gym is a good one because... I feel like it has a domino effect. If you've been to the gym in the morning, you're less likely to eat a chocolate bar or a Big Mac that afternoon. And yeah. then you're probably less likely to have a drink in the evening. Yeah. It sort of, yeah, it has a nice domino effect. Yeah. On, like, and you feel healthier throughout the day and you probably eat healthier and you feel better as a human. Generally, you're going to feel good. And that can positively affect your diet and you won't snack and all those sort of things. Yeah. Another way you could spend your money is on experiences. That's what I always ask for for birthdays and Christmases Hor- now. Horrible experiences? Terrible experiences. <laughs> Please, please, Santa. Just terrible experiences with me again this year. Ho, 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 Hamish. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you can now, and this is this was a big one for me, you can now afford almost every restaurant yeah. if you don't drink booze at them. That is true. I would say the fanciest restaurant in the area that we live, the, the main course is probably $50. No, $74 for my fish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you yeah. have to go on holiday for that. $74. Okay, is 70- there a sauna included? <laughs> you, can, you can use it on these experiences. On a restaurant, you can go to the movies or the theatre every week. You can stay in a hotel once a month. You can get a fortnightly massage or you can just eat your own weight in cream eggs. Oh, yeah, I'm in on that one. Yeah, thanks. definitely. So, yeah, doing anything that doesn't affect your mental health or your physical health is going to be great for you. So even something like random acts of kindness, surprise your partner with a gift as Hamish did, treat them to a date night or get a babysitter or do something like buy a coffee for a stranger there's something on Instagram at the moment where a guy's going around paying for people's shopping like kind of jumping into the queue and just beeping his card and saying like I've just bought your groceries for you do something like that that makes someone happy instead of puking on their shoes and if you don't want to do that then just treat yourself you can go to that more expensive hairdresser you can get that dress you looked amazing in but couldn't afford or you can sign up to that weekly course that you've always wanted to do actually you can also do nothing at all and just put all the money that you're saving by not boozing into the bank and save it for a holiday or some school fees or just sit back and enjoy the fact that you've probably got a little bit of cash in your wallet for a while. Another thing you can do is actually buy yourself some time. That's something that we have a finite amount of. And you can save up enough money to give yourself an extra day off work and treat yourself to a day off with the kids if you like. Yeah, so basically money and booze do go hand in hand, don't they, Hamish? It is a bit of a, an interesting topic because I know that I've wasted so much money. I mean, that app said 15000 and that's just probably in the last five years. So if we times that, I've probably spent in the last 25 years hundreds of thousands of pounds mm. on alcohol, which scares the shit out of me to be honest and I think there's a lot of people out there I mean if you do the sums people that's probably a good way to start isn't it sit down if you're a drinker and you are becoming sober curious like Hamish here sit down and work it out like write down the amount of alcohol you're consuming each week and write it down on a piece of paper and and have a good look at it and ask yourself if, if that's okay or not 
and include those taxi rides and, you know, the bucket of chips the next day or the round of drinks. Include it all in there. And if someone does give you an Olympic ticket, take it and don't sell it because it's all about making memories at the end of the day. If you're someone for whom the making or saving of money can help motivate you to give up booze, then just consider what you could be spending it on instead. Would you rather buy a stranger a round of drinks or pay a stranger to give you a massage with their feet for an hour? Yes, it's a no-brainer. Absolutely. In all seriousness, discussing money can be a bit of a sticky subject and nobody wants to be accused of being tight after refusing to split the bill or buy a round. But sobriety is all about bucking the trends and changing the habits be the one that says no, because that gives others a kick up the arse to follow suit. Something that's come up there for me, Hamish, is, you know, when sober people go out for dinner, I highly recommend that you take cash with you because everyone's splitting the bill. Somebody might have had the most expensive bottle of wine on the menu where you've just had some spring rolls. Mm. (laughs) Probably vegetarian if you're sober because a lot of (laughs) sober people do tend to give up meat for some weird reason because we care about the planet and become tree huggers, basically. But think about these things. And becoming sober is about learning to understand different ways of doing things and getting yourself out there and still being the same person but doing things a little bit differently and it can be hard and confronting for your mates the fact that you're not the one putting in for the wine Mm. but eventually people get used to it and they start to understand your reasons why that's already been something i've worried about one week in is the, is the restaurants when people split the bill or the round of drinks? You know, every time someone gets a round of drinks, I've got to say, no, I won't. Yeah. You know, although, although if they buy me a lemonade, do I feel like I should buy them a beer because that's yeah. what they're drinking? You know? It's just confronting for people because you are doing exactly what they are not. So by you giving up alcohol, Hamish, it's like them saying, oh, maybe that's what yeah. I should be doing too. So people are going to find it hard and they are going to give you a hard time. They're going to poke you and say, come on, Hamish, one won't hurt, one for the road, let's get this party started. Mm. But I think something about this journey you're going to find is you're going to have to come up with new ways of being who you thought you were socially, yeah. which can be really, really hard. But as I said, practice makes perfect in sobriety. You just got to keep going out. And actually, you're going to be a bit of a different to Lucy because Lucy was someone who when she got sober she wanted to stay in a lot more because she got triggered when she was out and she didn't like the noise Mm. and the people and the pressure all those things that you're talking about whereas you are going to get yourself in there a bit more aren't you and you're going to be like right I'm going to go against the grain I'm going to go out I'm going to go to a party and I'm going to put myself out there still but I'm going to say no yeah I'm going back to England in a few months and I've already got three weddings on that trip and I've got two like garden parties at our house because I've not been home in three and a half years in that time me and my brother have both got engaged and married and had kids and there's loads to celebrate and there's going to be champagne there's going to be alcohol all those parties so yeah I'm excited to see what that is like what is the challenge of of a wedding sober or party that's about you sober funnily enough Hamish my first ever sober event was my own wedding yeah, yeah. Nice. so I was three months pregnant at my wedding. I'd never, ever been to a social event without boozing and I was three months pregnant and I, I witnessed not only what I could be like, but I also got to absorb all of the love and support around me at, on that special day. And it, it was the best day of my life because I wasn't in a blackout for once. I wasn't stumbling all over the place making a tit out of myself. I was 100% present. And that's when I had that little window into mm. sobriety and thought, fucking hell, like this is good. I could probably do this forever. It took me a long time, another four years before I made this you know, monumental decision to quit drinking. But those little insights, those little moments that you have where you think, 
actually, I'm still having a good night. I'm present. I'm authentic. I'm myself and I'm okay. Those are the moments when they build up, which lead to a really long lasting sobriety and a much, much happier lifestyle. And you can remember it, which I'm sure lots of people can't remember their wedding days. I know. And you can remember it. So if you are sober, then let us know how you've been spoiling yourself or your loved ones with those extra funds by reaching out to us on Cuppa. If you're thinking of joining Hamish on the sober, you know, this sober challenge, this sober tea party that he's taking on, what are some things, Hamish, you recommend people do to help them like start this crazy journey that you're going on? Well, without being an annoying git, tell everyone that you're doing it. Okay. Tell them they know it. They're not going to pressure you because they know it's a challenge you've set for yourself and it keeps you accountable. Okay. Yeah. Tell everybody. I mean, when I first got sober, I sat everybody down. After 18 months, I have to admit, I had 18 months of keeping it a secret. But then eventually I set everybody down and said, this is what I'm doing now, just as a pre-warning, so you don't give me a hard time when I'm out. Who did you tell? I told my best mates in Sydney. Mm -hmm. uh, We went out for a drink and I just said, look, I'm not going to be drinking tonight. And they were kind of like, oh, come on, what's wrong? I was like, I've had to make a decision for my own mental health and for the future of my kids because I am not a functional drinker anymore, I have a problem. And of course, they were my best mates. They just gave me a cheers. I had a fizzy water. They had a couple of margaritas and we carried on the night. Mm. There were no raising of trumpets. There was no cheers from the crowds. It was a very undramatic moment. And that's what it can be. It doesn't have to be hugely dramatic, you giving up drinking. It can just be you doing something better for your health. That's all it needs to be. So you don't need to give these huge explanations to people. You just say, I'm doing something to make myself feel better. That's it. Yeah, you can't argue with that, can you? Yeah. So I recommend booking a therapist, of course, which we talked about already, which you've done, because that's going to help guide you and join the cup of community, tell people about your plans, cancel those subscriptions to delivery alcohol (laughs) services, because that is going to really damage you and get rid of the booze in your house if you're just starting out because all of those things are going to help you on your mission yeah we're going to do this to give you the support that you need sober awkward is here to help you prop up your sobriety journey it's you that puts in the work we're not going to do it for you it's on you yeah it's going to be hard it'll also be the best thing you ever do it totally will and totally believe us i would never have thought that i could be a sober person from being such a crazy party girl but here i am i'm not boring hamish well well occasionally yeah (laughs) (laughs) i'm going home to play scrabble with my mother-in-law tonight (laughs) should we finish this one with a quote go for it okay so this is a quote from james w frick Frick. who i know nothing about i don't know but i like the quote i've just made up that name (laughs) (laughs) he says don't tell me where your priorities are show me where you spend your money and i will tell you what they are Yes. So what we're saying is if you're writing down those quantities of booze that you're buying each week, really take a take a look at that and breathe it in because I think it'll be a shock for most people. I know most people I know think they drink a certain amount, but actually they probably drink a lot more and it can be quite confronting. But with anything on this sobriety journey, we really recommend you write it down and then you can look back on it and see how far you've come. Yeah, yeah. that might be a good idea. Yeah, particularly, you know, if you think I'm going to give up booze in a month's time, Keep a log of what you're spending this month. Yeah. And then on the last day of the month, have a look at that number. And if it frightens you enough to give up, then then that's a good thing. Yeah, money is as good a reason as any, Hamish. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a real laugh. And I think we'll have to go and find out if Alan's uh, got enough money to for allow us to come back to the booth next week. Of course it will. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate 
or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support. Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Fix got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Amish. Bloody hell. How do they share it?